So, here we are in Advent, as he was reminding us, getting people to come to our, our services. Um, the trimmings of Christmas are all around us, and we're beginning to think about gifts that we'd like. We're beginning to plan out t- spending time with family and friends. I wonder if any of you here write a gift list for someone for Christmas so they can know what you'd like. Anyone here do that? No one? Oh, okay, a few of you. Thank you, Nicole. Brilliant. Okay, so when my sister and I were young, we used to spend ages thumbing through an Argos catalogue. It wasn't all online then. That shows how old I am. Um, So we'd scribble down all these things that we would like to have for Christmas. And other times we didn't need to look at the catalogue because actually we thought of something in January that we'd like for Christmas. We'd say to our parents, can we have this, can we have this? And they would say, no, that's too big a thing, that will have to wait for Christmas. So we got to that stage in December when we had our list and we could write right at the top of it, oh yeah, this thing I wanted, this thing I've been longing for all year. I wonder, what are you longing for this Christmas? Maybe it's happiness, maybe it's money, Freedom, peace, fulfillment, fulfillment, or maybe just confidence. This morning, God wants to bring us an invitation. An invitation that is all wrapped up in who he is and his power at work in our lives. And the invitation he gives us is to hope. We're going to look at the difference that hope firmly planted and rooted in God can make to our lives. So we're going to read a couple of scriptures together from Luke 1. First of all, we're going to read from Luke 1, verses 5 to 7. And then we're going to go on to Luke 1, 39 to 45. So let's look at those scriptures together. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And then we're going to go on to Luke 1, 39 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believes that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So let's think about the hope we have set before us this Advent. We read in Luke 1 that as Mary entered the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the baby growing inside Elizabeth leapt in her womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. What joy there must have been between those two women as they met that day. God had blessed both Elizabeth and Mary as part of his plan. For Elizabeth, what she had longed for to come to being came at a very unexpected time. And I would imagine she'd probably lost all hope and potentially, let's be honest, desire for having a baby. 
For Mary, the gift of a child that she'd hoped to have with her future husband-to-be, Joseph, was now being fulfilled in a most unexpected and unusual way by God. Both women experienced the miraculous work of God in their lives. And despite God doing things very differently from the plans that they had for their own lives, they praised and thanked him for blessing them according to his timing and not theirs. John and Jesus, their two beautiful boys, lived lives marked with love, humility and servanthood whilst they lived on this earth. And yet, these two boys died young. So hard for Elizabeth and Mary to understand how their sons were given to them in such a miraculous way, and then they were gone all too soon. I wonder if these two women ever questioned why God would allow things to happen this way. Hugh's already mentioned this scripture. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, ultimately, if God did everything our way, he wouldn't be God at all, would he? I wonder whether you look at your life and can see what God has done or perhaps is doing, and it's different from what you expected or hoped for. And maybe you've struggled to understand just as Mary and Elizabeth would have done. When we don't understand what God is doing, we have a choice to make. We can turn our backs on God, and, or we can choose to trust his plan as being higher than our own. And I want us today to allow God to come and work, do some work in our hearts. We've invited him already in our worship time to come by his Holy Spirit and he's met with us and he wants to continue to meet with us and to delve deeper into our everyday thoughts and concerns. My heart is that you will go away from today with practical ways that you can keep your hope alive whatever situation you're in. So firstly we're going to ask, is it okay for me to long for something? I love how the Bible really is our manual for life. The Word of God shares stories with us about real people and real life situations. In Luke 1, we read about Elizabeth and Zechariah, an elderly couple who were living for God in the midst of longing, decades of longing, actually. Elizabeth was barren and old. And back in their day, if someone was not able to have children... The wife was blamed for it, and it was often connected with some kind of sin in their life. Imagine the pain for Elizabeth, desiring to have children for so long, but also being condemned by judgmental people around her. You know, the Bible mentions longing 52 times across 12 translations. So is wanting and longing for something honoring to God? Well, the short answer to that is depends what you're longing for, doesn't it? But let's unpack that a little bit. Jesus often asked people, what do you want me to do for you? He asked blind Bartimaeus that question. And the answer might have seemed quite obvious to us. Well, I want to see Jesus. But Jesus, in asking this question, wanted to know what Bartimaeus was really longing for. He wanted to connect with him at a heart level. With Christmas coming, we might be longing to put our feet up. It's been a busy time, hasn't it? 
We might want to be spending time with family and friends and enjoy some home comforts. And there's nothing wrong with wanting these things. Our hopes and desires can come from a really good place initially. They can even be God-given desires of longing for total fulfillment in our lives. But we have to be careful because the enemy has a way of turning our desires into self-gratification and self-centeredness. When we find ourselves in a place of longing for something, I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, why has this particular longing become so important to me? Has the enemy taken my desire and made me start to focus in on myself? Am I looking to a physical item or even another person to make me happy and bring me fulfillment rather than looking to God to be the source of everything I need? We can all get caught up in selfish ambition and none of us are immune. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit today to reveal the things that you are longing for, the things in your life that perhaps are coming from just self-satisfaction. You know, the amazing thing about God is that he loves us, warts and all. We sing that song, there's nothing you can do to make us love, you, love us more. There's nothing you can do to make us love, love us less. And he wants to connect with us in a way where he, we can leave behind things that are not in our best interests, but instead to focus on longing for an intimate friendship with him. God longs for relationship with us, and his heart for us is bursting with compassion and love. Maybe there's been some things in your life that you've been desiring that are preventing you from going deeper in your relationship with God. I read recently in a devotional about how things can build up in our lives like stones in a river. So when the stones build up, we're talking big stones here building up in the river, there's an interruption to the flow of the water going downstream as it has to go over or around all these stones. God wants us to look at our hearts today and think about the longings and desires in our lives that we've allowed to build up, which are stopping the Holy Spirit from working freely, from flowing freely in us to make us more like Jesus and therefore a blessing as well to others. If the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something in your life today, rather than hiding from him and running away from his love and presence, go to him and ask him to help you to understand what is motivating your behavior and let him lovingly help you to walk back in step with God's best for your life. In James 4, verses 7, 8 and 10, it says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So how do we come to a place where our longings line up with God's best for us? Well, another scripture, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Quite often we've misquoted this verse and used it to say, yeah, God's going to give me whatever I want. But it's not what it's about. This verse talks about us actively pursuing our relationship with God through giving him our time, talking with him, listening to him, letting, giving him the time to be able to speak to us, reading his word. When we spend time with God in his word, then our longings and desires begin to come into line with his. 
And there's a sense from the story, going back to that, that we read early in Luke, that despite decades of longing being unfulfilled, Zechariah and Elizabeth knew that the best place for them was to be close to God. The passage talks about them being obedient and observing God's decrees. Their story is a testimony of how to long well. You stay close to God and he will strengthen you and comfort you as you wait for him to show you the path ahead. We should never be afraid of sharing our longings with God. If anything, maybe our longings are not enough or don't go deep enough for what God would want for us. So go to God who is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing and always present, hallelujah, and cry out to him to rescue your marriage and help you to be the best husband or wife he wants you to be. Cry out to God for your loved ones to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. Cry out to God to help you to be content and fruitful in your singleness. Cry out to God for your physical or mental healing. Cry out to God and ask him to set you free from addictions. And cry out to him to provide for your needs. Our God who raised Jesus from the dead is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Run into his arms today with your longings. His arms are open and they're stretched out towards you. Last weekend, we as a family had the privilege of attending Alistair's sister's wedding in Scotland. And our sister got married for the first time at the age of 53. As a family, we've had many conversations and times of prayers, prayer over the years to support my sister-in-law through this difficult waiting time, not knowing if God's plan was for her to be married. Okay, hold that thought, slight side story now. I met Al, my lovely husband over here, on holiday in Italy. I was 22 and he was 29. He had seen a lot of people that he knew around him getting together and getting married. He was beginning to wonder whether God would have someone for him. I remember him telling me that he came to a place in his thinking where he surrendered himself to God and asked God to help him to be content in being single, if that's what he wanted for him. And I think as soon as Al surrendered his hopes and dreams to God, God brought him to a place where he was happy to put his future into God's hands and follow the path he had for him. It's important to say at this point that marriage isn't for everyone, and it's okay to ask God to give you joy and contentment in being single. God has amazing plans and purposes for each one of us, whether we are single or married. Back to Moira and Andrew's wedding. So at the wedding reception, Moira um, did a speech, and I want to share a little bit of what she shared with us. This was her speaking. With regards to waiting, I recently read this. When we understand that God is never late, we wait differently. I'm going to say that again. When we understand that God is never late, we wait differently. While I sometimes in the past struggled to understand God's answers of no and wait to my prayers... Today, I see God's purpose in bringing Andrew and I together. When Zechariah encountered an angel in the temple who told him that his prayers had been answered and his wife would bring him a son, he questioned the angel, asking, how can I be sure of this? 
I'm an old man, and my wife is well on in years. And yet, God's timing was perfect. Zachariah's son John was part of God's plan to prepare people, get them ready for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. God wasn't late. John was born at the right time. Maybe today you're waiting for God to move in your life and fulfill your longing. Perhaps it's been a long and painful waiting process and you've faced disappointment time and time again and you've struggled to keep your hope in God's goodness alive. Elizabeth and Zechariah must have felt disappointment time and time again as they tried to conceive a baby, only to discover in time that Elizabeth wasn't pregnant. You know, we can put our hope in God, we can be encouraged by his love and his faithfulness in our lives, and we can believe that change is going to come, and then disappointment can come crashing in again as we remain in the, the difficult situation. Over quite a long period of time, my sister, who's a Christian, has endured some really difficult and traumatic circumstances in her life. There have been numerous occasions where there hasn't appeared to be anything good up ahead. And when you walk by someone's side as they're going through disappointment after disappointment, it's incredibly difficult. And my heart has been, I just want to make everything right for her. I just want to make her life easier. And you can find yourself crying out to God, where are you, God, in this situation? You know, the devil loves distracting our attention from trusting wholly in God. He wants to make us doubt that God is still there for us. He wants us to believe the lie that things will never change and we're just going to experience more disappointment. And he throws statements at us like, you will never, or you can't, or you are worthless. And instead of hope, the enemy invites us into self-pity, negative emotions, and he blinds us from the blessings we have in our lives. John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, was used in a powerful way to prepare the way for Jesus to come to this earth. He had many followers and he was an influential speaker for the kingdom of God. When he spoke, people even started to believe he was the promised Messiah. And I think John must have had times when the enemy tried to stir up emotions in him which led him to a place of self-importance rather than humility. John experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in his life to push through and continue to point people to the coming of the Messiah Jesus. We are in a battle. So how do we fight against the enemy's lies that rob us of our hope? How do we live each day waiting well when we are battling disappointment and seeing no resolution to our problems? We're going to look at some practical steps. As I said earlier today, I really want you to take away some practical points here to help you um, to keep your hope in God alive. And as Roy shared in the prayer meeting earlier, he talked about us, a sense of us stepping out and into things today. And there's a sense here that I want you to take, step into these things of God, that God has for your life. So firstly, be honest with God. Psalm 38 verse 9 says, Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. God sees everything. He hears our sighs. He knows our pain. Tell God how you are doing. Let your tearful questions drive you towards God in prayer rather than away from him. Keep on keeping on. 
one day, one step, even one breath at a time, if needs be. And remind yourself daily of the power of God's love for you. When I was preparing this and thinking about this, God spoke to me and he showed me, you know, often in times of worship, we sing out, don't we? God, you sent Jesus for us. Thank you, Jesus, for that incredible love, going to that cross for us. And we know that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So that love that sent Jesus to the cross is still the same love. It's still just as powerful. It's just as powerful as when Jesus died for us. We need to remember that in our times of hopelessness and disappointment. And Lamentations 3 verses 19 to 24 say this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Remember what I shared from my sister-in-law's wedding speech. God is never late. He knows what he's doing in your life. Ask him to give you fresh faith today to believe that he's at work and his plan is best for your life. Okay, something else we need to do practically is to spend time with God and don't try to work things out on our own. There's a temptation when things are hard to try and do something about it rather than going to God with the situation. And so we come up with some kind of practical solution and we can all too easily take action that isn't a God-directed thing. But instead, it's a knee-jerk reaction to try and make us feel better. If we do something, we'll feel better, won't we? And I know that I've done this in the past. After being made redundant in a job, I wanted to take action and find another job. I really felt I needed to be working, I needed to be doing something. No one else was putting that pressure on me, I was putting it on myself. And in hindsight, I know that I wasn't patient. I wasn't patient enough to wait and hear what God really wanted me to do. God is gracious, however, and he blessed me in the job I got. But looking back, I know in my heart that it wasn't God's best for me at that time. Next step we can take is when you find it difficult to pray, think of things, however small, that you can say thank you to God for. Gratitude is such a powerful thing. The Bible tells us in every circumstance to present our prayers and requests to God with thanksgiving. I know that my sister has found this such a powerful weapon against the enemy's schemes to bring her down further. She has thanked God for the daily blessings he brings into her life, even at times when they seem so small and insignificant. You will experience God's encouragement as you seek to be more thankful. So let me stir you today to make thankfulness a part of your daily walk with God. The next one is to worship rather than worry. Interesting that Paul came and shared. There is Paul sitting over there. Thank you, Paul, for what you shared, that picture today. Um, He said, this morning I feel that the song, Now is the Time to Worship. Well, that's what this point's about. We worship rather than worry. It's such a normal human instinct when we can't see things getting better, just to worry. But worry leads us into a place of fear and trying to work things out on our own, like I talked about a moment ago. 
And when things are difficult, we need to choose to focus our thoughts on God and who he is and his ability rather than our own to change our circumstances. When we worship in the midst of waiting or in times of disappointment, we soak ourselves in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit comes and meets with us and we find peace, joy and hope. The Bible promises us that as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. We were created to worship God. And when nothing else works, worship does because it places our entire focus on him. That's the best place to be. God is still good even when our circumstances aren't. Our next step is to have the right people around us. People who will consistently pray for you and hold up your hands when you're too weak to do it for yourself, just as Aaron and her did for Moses. I'm sure that Elizabeth and Mary had moments in their pregnancies and as John and Jesus grew up and ministered to people around them where they as mothers felt weak then they didn't understand why their boys were being treated in such a way. It's clear from the passage we read that they had a beautiful friendship where I'm sure they cried out to God together and sought to encourage one another. So when I said, have the right people around you, I mean let the main influences and voices around you be ones that bring encouragement and hope rather than dragging you down. Only let people speak into your life who will point you to God and his faithfulness and power that's available to you. That's so important. Finally, believe that God is at work behind the scenes. We sing a song in worship, don't we, that has these lines, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. My sister recently shared a picture that God had given her to encourage her in a time of disappointment. She saw a wooden garden fence. She went to it and she peeked through a small hole in the fence where the knot in the wood was missing. Obviously, through that small hole, she could only see a limited amount beyond and around the fence. And God reminded her that even though she can't always see the big picture, there is a big picture, and he is in charge of it. He is at work in the big picture. He knows what he's doing, and he is faithful. When life seems hopeless, Remind yourself of God's faithfulness to so many that have gone before you. Many characters in the word of God, in our Bible, who faced hopeless situations, but God. God is powerful and more than able to turn hopeless situations around. He gave courage and strength to a young shepherd boy named David, which led him to defeating a powerful giant with just a sling and a stone. God called Gideon from the weakest clan to defeat the Midianites with a depleted army, as we've been hearing recently. God enabled Joshua and his army to bring down the city walls of Jericho by marching around them and blowing their horns. And God gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a son when all hope was lost. And he miraculously formed his son Jesus in the womb of Mary. If stories of God at work in the Bible don't bring you hope, then I don't know what will. I want to share a testimony with you of hope this morning in a book that's just simply named Testimony. And this story is from someone that I know. 
and I think it's very powerful. My family has experienced immense suffering. However, with each ounce of brokenness, I felt Jesus has rescued me and healed me. He's shown up in ways I could never have possibly have fathomed. I have been fatherless, experienced loneliness, and watched my family suffer from poor mental health and suicide. Yet I have witnessed friends being physically healed and saved. I've encountered God in my weakness. God has answered prayers and held me close. He saved me and called me his own. I have hope. I can rest on him and in him. I can honestly say my understanding of love has massively grown. Not only do I know the love he has for me, but also the call we have to love his world and his people. God has protected me and lifted me out of the darkness and replaced it with joy. My story reflects something of God's faithfulness to his children. Life still leaves bruises, but I know God is with me. If we don't cling to God and trust him through every situation in life, what hope do we have left? He wants to meet you in your longing today, and he wants to show you the power of his love for you. If only you'd cling to him. At Advent, we thank God for sending his son Jesus to this earth for us so that he would ultimately die and save us from our sins so that we could have relationship with God. But we know that is not the end of the story. We look back and we remember, but we also look forward. We're waiting and longing for Jesus to return and take us to be with him in the new heaven and new earth. He has promised us in his word that he will return and one day we will be with him forever in a place where there'll be no more longing, heartache or disappointment. When struggles come in this life, we can hold on to the true and certain hope that we have as believers that this isn't the end. This is not our home, but one day we will be with the Lord in eternity. Until that time comes, God longs for us to find our fulfillment completely in him to continue to walk in his ways and obey his commands, even if our hopes and dreams do not appear to be fulfilled. I read a story of a man in Africa losing everyone in his family and all his possessions. And he said this to a missionary lady who had come to help him. Madam missionary, I never realised that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. I never realised that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. The Apostle Paul, who experienced much persecution and hardship, learned to live a life where Jesus was all he needed. In Philippians 1.21, he says this, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Every part of his life revolved around Jesus being his source and strength. I wonder, are you and I in that place today? Jesus never promised to take away our problems, but he promised to be with us as we go through them. Will you say to him today, Lord, you are enough in my situation? As we navigate the challenges of running the race of this life, know that we have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Elizabeth, a woman who continued to hope in the time of waiting, 
John the Baptist cheering us on to never compromise or give up, and so many others who we can look to in the Bible who have run the race faithfully. In Jesus, we have so much to be thankful for, and today we are called to keep longing for more in God, keep hoping and believing through the time of waiting, through disappointment and hardship. At Christmas time, we often use the name Emmanuel for Jesus, and that name translates as God with us. God wants you to know deep in your heart today that he loves you and he is with you in your situation by his Holy Spirit. I want us in a moment to listen to a song that Jordan and Becca are going to sing for us. It's called Hope on the Horizon. I heard this when I went to um, the, Hope, the, the call conference up at Hope Church in Ipswich. And it just, I mean, I was thinking about this talk, but it just really struck me, the words in it. Maybe you know it, but can I just ask you just to like meditate on the words in front of you and then ask God by his spirit to work in your life, to speak to you about your hopes and your desires and meet with you where you're at. And after we've listened to it, I'm going to ask us to turn and pray in pairs or in threes together to pray for one another. Now, you might not want to reveal what that hope or desire is for your life. You don't, maybe you don't want to share something that personal. But we are God's family together and we're here to support each other and care for each other. So I think it would be good to pray and say, Lord, bring hope into this person's life. So let's listen to this and then we're going to pray together. Thank you, guys. Kingdom is arriving 
living glory in the waiting hold on to hope come and gather your strength open your heart give him your hallelujah and trust trust him again deep in the night pour out your hallelujah and know you're not alone you run with the saints singing out hallelujah to God God on the front 